Hello and welcome to the EuroWhat, episode number 66 for the week of November 19th. I'm Ben Smith-Williamson, and I'm joined today by Mike McComb-Kennison. Hey, Mike. Ahoy! We are a pair of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest, and this week we'll be talking about seeing Eurovision acts in concert as Americans. How is your week going, Mike? It's going pretty well. Uh, I'm getting ready for a big move, so not not at all stressed out, uh, which is a weird and unpleasant feeling. How are you doing? I, I understand you did some travel recently. Uh, yeah, yeah. It turns out uh, research for this episode uh, was a little more involved than usual. All right. Uh, yeah, and, and by, by research, I mean going to Iceland Airwaves. Awesome. Yeah, it was it was very good. And I have so much to share. And we will get to that later. There's major news in terms of like Eurovision now. Yeah, a lot of organizational stuff has happened since we last recorded. We now have an official answer to how many countries there are in Europe. And for 2020, that number is 41. Bulgaria and Ukraine are coming back to the contest. Unfortunately, Hungary and Montenegro are taking the year off. With Montenegro, I kind of love how practical they're being about this. And they're like, well, we looked at the numbers and we can either do Eurovision or we can upgrade all of the cars in the official broadcaster fleet. And we are going with the cars. The cars in their fleet are doing a lot of driving. Yeah, I think I read somewhere that it was like a thousand kilometers a day, which that's crazy distance to travel. So... Mm -hmm. I think this might be a good choice and also just get, kind of give them time to regroup, strategize, come back with a really strong entry next year. Mm-hmm. Well, especially because I feel like they make interesting choices. Yes. Yes. And but, yeah, we I, give I, them I, a lot I, of grief, but uh, yeah. it, it's all in good fun. So yeah, it's all in good fun. We will miss them. But also good on them for just being kind of practical. I, I I dig that. Yes. Now that like the deadline for that has passed and we know that there are 41 nations, all 41 of those nations are now putting into process the, the details of figuring out, okay, what song are we sending? Because we've had so many updates in terms of like national finals. The Czech Republic uh, had been kind of out in front and we're like, yeah, we're going to do a, we're going to do a televised final after a couple years of online. Uh, and then very quickly reversed that and said, actually, no, we're going to do an online final January 13th. And there was like a piece of news, I forget if we covered it here or not, where the the head of their delegation had resigned last month. And it turns Mm -hmm. out that was because they moved the final back online. It's unfortunate because they had been planning the TV final for a while. Like, I feel like the news for that came out last spring. That They're just like, all right, this is what we're doing for 2020. Yeah, it had been out there. So for it to get reversed was kind of interesting to see. On the other hand, uh, if it means that they have more money to kind of help develop those artists... I think mm-hmm. that's not necessarily a bad idea. Yeah, and really, their process has worked the last couple their of years. Their process has been working, so like, if it's not broken. On the other hand, I do love like a televised national final. I hope it's something that they'll be able to do eventually, but as long as they get maybe a nicer Airbnb to film all of their videos this year, uh, mm-hmm. like at, le- yeah. at least throw some money that way, but <laughs> it's, uh, I think it might work out for them in the long run. Like they're they're mm-hmm. They're in a good spot overall at, at least with the fandom i would guess so mm-hmm. other nations announcing their plans uh estonia has announced the artists for next year's Estee Lau. out of 178 entries they had 24 get announced over the course of two days so we have 12 in each semifinal a lot of returning acts mm-hmm. laura from 2017 is competing by herself uh victor crone of course their entry this year uh, stig rasta has either represented them or written the song representing them multiple times are both on the writing team for a song from the band traffic 
then Uku Suviste, who I think was my one of my favorites in the the process, is is also competing again. So I'm happy to see that. And then they are kind of getting ahead on the song announcement because as of November 30th, we will have those songs online. Which feels kind of early. Yeah, it feels weirdly early. Yeah, but kind of consistent with last year. I feel like they, they were early last year, too. And their final, like, their process doesn't really get into full swing until, like, mid-February, so... Yeah, so they, they really want to want time for us to just kind of marinate in those. Yeah, so looking forward to that. Like, it's mm-hmm. going to be great having fi- finally having a batch of songs to listen to. Because um, as of right now, uh, there's only one potential Eurovision song out in the wild, and that's coming from Australia. And what's great is that it could just be anywhere. Like, it could just be out there floating in the ether right now. We don't know which one it is. Because two of the acts for Australia Decides have been announced as of recording. And one of them has just said, yeah, it's one of my album tracks. Yes. Australia announced that uh, Casey Donovan and Vanessa Amorosi will be two of the contestants at Australia Decides. And Vanessa Amorosi uh, recently released the album Back to Love. And I looked at the track list earlier, and all of the songs are pretty much in the three-minute range. Might require a little bit of editing here or there, but it's going to be one of those songs that she enters with uh we don't know which one um and who knows she if she's australia's representative we could already know australia's entry there's a lot of road to travel before we get to that point though elsewhere georgia idol is officially in live shows now so they are well on their way to figuring out an artist slovenia has been determining its finalists via online duels Bulgaria's artist is being announced next Monday. Woo! Cyprus is sifting through like 120 songs right now. No mention of artists. I think there are a couple artists that have been tossed around as being on their shortlist, but they're also just trying to figure out who they're going to do a song for. Mm-hmm. Germany announced that they are reassessing their approach to the national final and focus and like they're they're very specifically calling it a song for Rotterdam. So we'll see what that looks like but i think they they are a good nation to uh reassess their process i think we talked about we talked about that this summer and we were we very lovingly were like what are you guys doing mm-hmm. apparently they listened and are reassessing that process so yay we did it i don't know i, no. I found it just no. very funny that Lindsay from who weekly was jokingly uh posting on twitter about kim patrick should be in the eurovision song contest and i of course immediately chimed in with germany drop what you're doing yep uh, and Germany has said, okay, fine. Yep. <laughs> They're listening to us. This is awesome. They're listening. So, yeah. <laughs> we are tastemakers. It's the best. Yeah. Speaking of tastemaking, voting has opened for the ESC 250 on uh, songfestival.be, uh, Belgium's fan website for Eurovision. If you're not familiar with the ESC 250, it is a fan poll of the best Eurovision songs of all time. Every person can log in with their Facebook or their Twitter and vote for their 10 favorite songs and the songs that receive the most votes. And it's Eurovision scoring. So whatever your number one choice is, you will receive 12 points all the way down to one point. Uh, they'll tally up all the results. And then on New Year's Eve, they'll do uh, like a six hour countdown of the 250 songs. And it's a lot of fun. Lorraine's Euphoria has won the last seven years. There was excitement last year that uh, Fuego might have been able to uh, dethrone her, but was was not to be. Uh, Fuego finished second. Yeah, I'll be really curious to see how this year's uh, new crop of entries ranks in the list. Honestly, I would be shocked if Arcade is the 
highest ranking one out of this year. I also doubt that for 2019's entries. Yeah, like I, I would not be terribly shocked if Spirit in the Sky finished in... I'll say I'll say top twenty. I don't know if I'm yeah, brave I, enough I can, to say I can top see that ten. One doing well, I would I would like to see a Hatari appearance somewhere. That one I'm very curious about. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's just our own like extreme yeah, like bias. I, I, on the other hand, <laughs> I am extremely biased about that. Yeah, but uh, I, mean, I like, will be. I will be giving that my twelve points. Where that would fall in the two fifty, I'm just not sure. But yeah, it, it's a ton of fun, and uh, particularly in the United States, since we have the time zone advantage. The countdown wraps up at about 6, 6.30 uh, U.S. time. You don't have to give up your New Year's Eve plans to hear the rest of the countdown. Like It's a good lead up into uh, the night's festivities. So uh, yeah, highly recommend. We'll have a link to the ballot in our show notes. And uh, voting is open until December 8th. So uh, get on that. So much stuff. The season is right around the corner. I'm very excited. So when we were planning out our calendar for this, Ben, you knew that you were going to be going to Iceland. And there was news that uh, Maruv from Ukraine was going to do like a North American tour. And uh, as soon as I saw that headline, it's like, well, I'm getting tickets for that. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so. I, was just, I was just like, great. This, this balances out so nicely because that's going to happen in October and mine will happen in November. We'll have stuff to talk about. Yeah. Talk about Maruv one week, talk about Hatari the next week. It'd be great. Uh, the thing is, Maruv got cast for uh, Ukraine's Dancing with the Stars. And I was like, um, that season's going to happen in like, December, January, right? And no, like it started in August or September. And yeah, the the tour has been postponed indefinitely. And uh, it was really, really sad, uh, particularly because she got knocked out uh, before she would have been in the US. So it's like, uh, can't, can't there be a last minute change of plans? But did not happen. Thanks to Facebook and like the algorithms of everything uh online uh i'm now on whatever weird mailing lists for ukrainian acts appearing <laughs> in chicago <laughs> so yeah i just happened to see a facebook ad saying like anuka will be in concert and it's like oh that's amazing if you don't remember anuka she performed uh in the interval for the 2017 contest uh in kiev and that performance was amazing and just like the horns from just stick with me and um yeah just totally enthralled with that performance and it's like oh she's gonna be in chicago we should totally go see that show so ended up getting tickets for that and yeah it it was a ton of fun and it's it really just kind of made me curious about why why are you here? <laughs> like it's like why Chicago of all places? And yeah, Ben, when you were planning your trip to Reykjavik, you had made an offhand comment of like how it was uh a lot like Duluth, Minnesota. Yes. And yes. I was like, oh, I'm curious if Reykjavik and Duluth are like sister cities. And uh looked it up, they are not, but um mm-hmm. yeah, ended up kind of going to a weird rabbit hole of like sister cities and like oh yeah that's just a real good rabbit hole to be in like why are why are these cities linked yeah and like what is a sister city and and that sort of thing and and it's just cities that are of similar economic industrial like they just have a lot in common like like making a friend at summer camp you know uh so mm-hmm. um yeah and it turns out that uh like chicago and kiev and uh 
handful of other cities are uh, sister cities. And yeah, I guess it shouldn't have been a huge surprise that uh, she'd be here because there is a neighborhood in Chicago called Ukrainian Village. So I was going to ask if there was like some sort of large Ukrainian population in Chicago that helped explain like why you guys are getting Maruv and Anuka. Yeah, and a town. ton of Ukrainian acts. Like I don't think Jamal has been here, or at least not here recently, but uh, Alexiev, uh, who represented Belarus, but he's Ukrainian, was going to pass through town but i think his tour also got postponed um uh svetlana from 2009 uh was up in evanston uh like six months ago or something so yeah it's just like oh there's just like this connection here and the tours that they go on like it it's it's sort of like when we were talking about kid the kids bop tour where it's like it's a world tour as long as the world is confined to like east of the mississippi and as far south as washington dc yeah just like a very (laughs) for a very specific definition of world yeah yeah like anuka's tour i believe was philadelphia new york toronto and chicago like I, th- I think I think we were the westernmost, but yeah, let's uh, say like I and like if you told me that all four of those cities had like healthy Ukrainian populations, I absolutely would believe you. Yeah, yeah, and and they probably do. Uh, and just seeing like other acts that are passing through, it's a lot of people that you would see at, at Vidber. Um, mm-hmm. the la- the last few years, like they're hitting those cities. They also hit Seattle, I think. I think San Francisco might have also been on that list, but yeah, I mean, it's just like if if there is. Like, if you are interested in seeing Eurovision acts in the U.S. and you happen to be near a major city, you might want to, like, just take into consideration, like, large national populations that are in that city. Just be like, oh, yeah, there's, like, a huge, like, German population. You might see acts from Germany or or something like that. Might have to do a little bit of sleuthing, a little bit of uh, clever Googling. Uh, It's not necessarily going to be on the front page of Ticketmaster, but uh, sort of the bigger name acts have also come through here. Uh, Like, we saw Il Volo uh, two years ago, I want to say. And they're actually coming through uh, town again next February, I believe. Uh, Yeah, I I think they're coming to Boston as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're they're embarking on uh, another world tour. There, there's is uh, like an actual world tour. Uh, mm-hmm. Like they they are quite popular. <laughs> well, yeah, and like I feel yeah, as I was about to say, I feel like they do well with like the PBS set too because like they have that nice be- that nice bridge between classical and pop that the NPR crowd tends to really like. Yeah, yeah, like uh, when we when we saw them, it was uh, at the Opera House. So mm-hmm. um, it's just like oh, it's so fancy here. Yeah, I, I was to say, yeah I, when they're coming here, they're coming to like one of the fancy theaters too. Yeah, yeah, it was just like oh, I'm so out of place but uh they they do have these like wine tumblers that are like just these sort of plastic sippy cups uh <laughs> which which are really nice and they're great for transporting cheez-its i discovered so um <laughs> i have been to the theater recently i know how these things work yeah one of the first concerts that we went to uh when we first moved to chicago was for the flying steps who were the interval act in 2011 for i think it was one of the semifinals uh their show flying bach where it's break dancers and street dancers dancing to remixes of classical music okay i just happened to see like an ad uh saying oh they're going to be in town it's like huh that's a very very niche mic thing and <laughs> yeah it was a real it was a really cool show and like very well attended like i, I think it might have been a sold out performance and yeah okay it was, yeah you can definitely see the interval acts like in the u.s another way you can see these acts is if you actually go to europe well yeah because like i sat down in may and was looking at iceland air and iceland air had a really good airwaves deal going on for like a couple of weeks 
And there were enough acts in the lineup that I was familiar with, which is surprising because a lot of that lineup is sort of up and coming artists mm-hmm. where I'm like, okay, this is a good way to get to see both of these acts. Cause other, other than them getting picked up by another group as their supporting actors their or their opener, I'm not going to see them live. Right. So like had, had like a handful of these and was like, okay, okay, let's just do this. Let's because if nothing else it is a very good story and it is an episode of our program. Mm-hmm. And it was a blast. And before I go into like too much detail about it, uh, I had a couple questions for you though, Mike. Just to, sure. just kind of open things up and just to kind of make this more than just me like very slowly setting up like a Kodak carousel of, of slides. Yeah, <laughs> um, we'll have the PowerPoint on our website. Now. Yeah, we'll have the, yeah we'll have the PowerPoint in the in the show notes. Uh, but so outside of a, of a Eurovision context, mm-hmm. what do you think of when you think of Icelandic music? Um, I mean Bjork is obviously the first person that comes to mind. Yes. Like, are are you asking in terms of style or genre or just oh, free association? Well, just, just, kind of, just kind of in general, just like artists in terms of style. Because like, you, yeah, like the big one is Bjork. Right. Uh, yeah. And Bjork, uh, Sugar Cubes, uh, like Bjork's mm-hmm. uh, former band. There was this act, oh, I want to say it was like 98, 99. Uh, I think his name was Goose Goose. Okay. Uh, he had this song, Lady Shave um i don't know it had a very interesting video and like i feel like what we see at eurovision really meshes with kind of what i envision iceland to be where it's just very mm-hmm. i don't know it, like music is a cottage industry in iceland because everything is in cottages but <laughs> <laughs> the other big one that that i generally thought of before this was like Sigaros, where oh yes I, yeah i think with, along with bjork just kind of very textural for lack of mm-hmm. like that that feels like a good word to describe it where there are vocals but it's not necessarily lyrical like it, that those are just sort of another instrument in the mix when you think of the idea of a music festival in november in iceland what do you think of oh goodness um i don't think it's going to be like lalapalooza uh which is like the first weekend of august in chicago mm-hmm. <laughs> so um yeah i mean like this it's i presume it's indoors right it's it's not an outdoor uh, festival right no no it is not okay all right so it has that going for it but just some context on that so iceland in november uh at least this november uh, it was like in the 30s and 40s temperature wise okay. which right. as someone who grew up in minnesota and now resides in boston was not bad like that was that, that helped in my decision to go was like oh so it's just gonna be like normal november mm-hmm. i think initially like my my hesitance had been because that roughly translates to like zero to four degrees celsius so i just saw zero to four i was like oh no it is intermittently rainy and windy but in kind of like a seattle way where it's like okay just like wait five minutes and it'll not be rainy right and then like the other thing that i remember noting down as i was trying to figure out is that it's kind of gray out but like not in a not in a depressing way every single website i went to before the trip trying to just google what is iceland like in november it's like you should bring a coat that is both wind and rain rainproof and probably some boots and those mm. were both good decisions yeah and like, if you have like a good base layer, like I went to to Uniqlo beforehand and made sure I had like some nice long johns, like I was good to go. Mm-hmm. Iceland Airways, just as a festival, I found very interesting. So this was year number twenty one for them. Like they've been doing this since nineteen ninety nine. Oh wow! Uh, they started out in an airplane hangar in Reykjavik, and now it is nine different official venues across uh, downtown Reykjavik. Oh cool! Yeah, and like this year's festival had one hundred and thirty three acts on the official lineup. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow, that's a lot. Uh, 
there's a lot and like what's what's even more impressive within that is that they signed like this general thing that festivals had the opportunity to sign a couple years ago so they had almost a 50 50 balance of artists male and female oh nice which i thought was awesome there was a wonderfully eclectic and wonderfully diverse sense of what was of of music going on so it wasn't just one particular genre whatever genre you wanted to see you could find there especially because so the the 133 acts on the official lineup there were also a couple of venues that essentially were programming their own things so there were additional bands on top of that oh wow I flew in Wednesday night, which meant that I missed the Wednesday night stuff that was happening there. Mm-hmm. One act that I really wanted to see uh, that I will just have to try and catch locally because they're Canadian uh, is Orville Peck, who does some really, really interesting... Like, he's doing kind of like old-timey cowboy music. Oh, is he like the guy Chris with I- the mask? Yes, he's the guy with the mask. Okay. Where he's, kinda, where he's doing, like, Chris Isaac-y cowboy music 50s kind of stuff but it's also kind of queer themes which, right which is very interesting and he has like the mask so yeah i missed him and i missed like all of the wednesday night stuff but of that like 133 act lineup i saw 20 bands across 22 sets uh thursday through saturday wow yeah so i saw a lot and i didn't even make a dent in in the overall lineup wow I, i'm guessing the festival like is like an all-day thing so the way that it works is that there are there are three tiers of venues and it was a little confusing but it started to make sense eventually so the actual official program is nine venues so like the largest of those venues was uh the soccer stadium and that was only saturday night but like the the second largest venue was the contemporary art museum and that held about a thousand people hmm. so there's a hard rock cafe that has a basement venue there is across from the the museum is galkurin which is just like this punk club a handful of those, and then also in the mix were the Kex Hostel, which I never got to, mm. uh, and Frikirkian, so one of the churches that doubles as like a performance space. Okay. Of those nine venues, I got to five of those. So in addition to that, there are there are what they called on venues, and this is the one that I didn't quite understand, uh, where it's like three bars that were doing their own programming. One of them was a whiskey bar that was exclusively uh, exclusively seemed to be programming metal bands. Okay. And, like, that is just not my thing. Like, I right. have very specific, like, needs of when an artist is screaming at me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the other bars was doing, like, a silent disco a couple nights. And it's like, I'm going to go see live music. Uh, so on top of all that, there was what were off venues. So during the day, so smaller sets, smaller venues, and those could be just spread out. Because there were stuff where it was, like, taking place in a store, taking place at a brewery. Uh, some of the first shows I saw were in the University of Iceland Student Union. Oh, cool! <laughs> yeah, those all had to happen before eight PM. So it was it was shorter sets. Like most of the most of the off venue stuff I went to it was like a twenty minute or thirty minute set compared to like forty or fifty minutes. Right. Those shows were were limited to mostly the Icelandic acts on the lineup, just because for all the other acts they were usually coming in and then leaving later in the day or leaving the next day. Uh, but uh, KEXP, which is the Seattle station, that's a big fan of airwaves, and then the Current in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Uh, each had some showcases that they put on during the day, one at the Kex Hostel and one at one of the other venues that was going on where some of the other bands in the lineup that weren't Icelandic were were getting a second chance to play. Oh, cool. Even though I did not set out with this intent, I managed to not see any of the American acts on the lineup. Huh. Rather than like running through every single thing, wanted to just hit some of the highlights. So uh, when you fly into Iceland, like you get there at like six in the morning because it's an overnight flight. It's a red eye, essentially. Right. It is pitch black outside right now uh, because the sun does not rise until 930. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. no. no. 
I don't know how it came on my radar like a couple of weeks immediately before my trip, but there is like a viral video of cousin Oscar uh, going like talking to his cousin who is complaining about daylight savings time. Mm-hmm. And that was that was very correct. Oh no, the sun would go down at about the time it goes down here, which is now like four thirty-five p.m. Right. And admittedly, when when I'm going there for a music festival and staying out later than I maybe would during a normal trip, it was fine that the sun was not up until nine thirty because neither was I. Right, exactly. So got in, uh, dropped my bags off at the hotel because my room was not quite ready, uh, went, in, went into town and immediately went to the hipster donut shop because that's the type of person I am, <laughs> walked around, did some sightseeing, came back, took a nap, woke up and was like, okay. There were like a couple off venue shows that were happening literally across the street from my hotel at the student union. It's like, okay, I'm not sure if I want to go to these or if I want to nap for like another hour, but like got myself up, went over there. That was immediately a very good choice. Nice. I was going over there to see Verk, uh, which is the other band that Einar from Hatari is in. They're they're a big favorite of mine. Was happy that they kind of got on my radar this year. But knowing how music works and how music festivals work, went a couple sets before that so that I could have like a spot in the audience to stand. Nice. And saw a couple really really interesting acts like uh the the person who was performing when i came in uh tomas welding really really talented and one thing i had forgotten about how people do music now is that if you have your laptop you can basically run your entire show oh yeah so it was him doing doing like the the tracks that he was on which he is very very good vocally live right after him was another artist who did kind of house house influenced pop uh where like one of the songs on her set was she had said that she'd written that day lyrically i was like yes that is correct yeah. <laughs> like, give the give the lyrics on this another pass uh but the thing that i found super charming about both of those sets is that everyone's parents were in the audience essentially like they're like the the, the artist community in iceland seems to be very supportive i guess because like again everyone's parents were in the audience uh the artists were essentially in the audience because this was a bar in the basement of the student union mm-hmm. it probably held maybe 300 people tops okay yeah, so it was it was like a nice small start to the day, and then Verk played. Einar was not there, but like I could tell that I was in the correct place because like the people standing around me all had Hatari uh, lock screens on their phones. Nice. I'm like, okay, cool. I know I know why we're all here. <laughs> like a couple of them seemed disappointed he was not there. I'm like, he is a busy person in this band. It has enough people where they can have like a friend pitch in on bass. Right. Uh, they're also just very good. Like I really enjoyed that small set from them. Tomas Welding, I thought was really good. I could see him and like whatever producers he's working with cooking up something for for Reykjavik's next entry. Another one, uh, the person who opened up on Thursday night for the official program, Briette. Uh, so just thinking about that same level of, oh, wow, you can kind of just run your entire show and be like a fully formed artist at like 19. Mm-hmm. Her show, to paraphrase SNL Stefan, had everything. She's just ridiculously young, has like five tracks on Spotify right now. And had like a full 45 minute set list, including stuff that was not there. Yeah. Uh, But had like custom outfits, had full visuals going on in the background, just like full computer generated visuals. Oh, wow. For each song. Did a contemporary dance interlude during one of the songs. Had like a, had just like, had like a, had like a dancer friend do some lifts with her. Wow. Very good vocally. Like, I am really excited to see what she, what she does next. Uh, And then another one of the artists I was super excited to see on Thursday, Georgia from the UK. Uh, is a, essentially does like a one woman show on like an electronic drum kit and i really want her song about work the dance floor to blow up here like it blew up in the uk earlier this year mm. but no so did those two shows uh had to like push through the crowd to get out of the contemporary art museum cross town to go see amanda tenfjord who is this norwegian artist 
so Norway has like this trend right now that I, I would love to see kind of infiltrate into the massive final structure they're doing next year. Mm-hmm. The big one who's doing it right now is Sigrid, but uh, Amanda Tenfjord, it turns out to also be doing this where it feels like a very real version of pop. Like lyrically, it's very simple. Uh, everybody's very fresh faced. It's not like super, it's not like super, super done up. Mm-hmm. Not quite full Billie Eilish, just very, very approachable, really good voice. Would like again, I would love to see that particular strain of of Nordic pop right now kind of work its way into Eurovision because I think it could be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Like I had been at that show and that was nice because the next day I did a food tour and was like, okay, I'm probably not the only person here for for Airwaves who signed up for this, and I was not. There were a couple other people on my food tour, so. Uh, that was the night that ha- that Hattori was playing at the air- at the art museum, so buddied up with the the two people who also had Airways wristbands on, and we're just chatting about what's what shows they had seen and there and like the woman of the pair was about my mom's age, okay, roughly and like was she was trying to remember the last name of of this great singer they saw at the at the Hard Rock. Like, Did you Amanda Tanford? Yes, and then she she immediately was like. Oh man, like what what are you excited to see? What are you here for? And I mentioned, you know, rattle off a list of bands and then throw out Hattori and she's like, Oh, what do they sound like? <laughs> and how did you describe it? Like uh, Um, I mean, honestly, what I should have let off with was how do you feel about capitalism? Yeah. <laughs> um I, I I think I just really stumbled over things because I was like, well, they kind of have like a techno beat, but also screaming. Abba, uh, they I, were more I, post-Marxist. I, uh. I d- yeah, I was going to say, I did not do a good job of selling them, although they were very excited about Mamut, uh, who were playing right before them. Mm. Uh, so hopefully they stuck around based on that very nice Midwestern Boys suggestion, because he was really talking about that band. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, also, like I, I would think that they may have had trouble getting out of the venue because it seemed like that they were mm-hmm. they were going to be one of the big draws. So. It was very full in there. Yeah, like yeah. I like my plans on Friday night were I'm going to get to the first set at the art museum and I'm going to stay there until Hatari plays. Yeah, and that was a good one because I immediately got to the front, had like a thing to lay my coat over. I was just oh, in nice. a good spot. Yeah, as I was waiting outside of that venue, I was seeing people kind of kind of pass by. I'm like, I know what band you're here for because you are in just full hatari regalia yeah and that look that just feels very cold for having to wait like 20 minutes outside a venue where mm-hmm. it's like somewhere in the 30s yeah like what i had done for that night was i wore a black t-shirt that yeah. was that was <laughs> you didn't you didn't bring your face mask from uh <laughs> i did not i did not bring my face back i didn't want to, i did not want to have to answer to customs yeah yeah i I mean unlike unlike the icelandic side of things like they're gonna get it right away uh the u.s the u.s side of things like i don't want to have that conversation if you were checking your luggage i i could understand that but if uh if you had just a carry-on yeah uh tsa yeah like and like they're not pointy spikes but they but it is it's just like a face mask with spikes Mm -hmm. of the friday night acts like the mamut who was playing right before hitari uh, were great. Like they started out as like an all female trio, and then they added in like a bassist and a drummer who are who are dudes. And they felt somewhere between like Bjork and Sigaros. Like they were a little bit more structured than Sigaros is. Just like kind of a very kind of witchy vibe in a good way. All right. Their lead singer was Ali Wong. Comedy special levels of pregnant. Oh wow. Yeah. And and like in in like a very similar although longer dress. They were great. Uh, but anyway, so Hatari round one. That was like the big show for them. They had the full production. They had uh, Astros and Solbjort as dancers. Mm-hmm. They had like a rapper friend who I had not seen before. 
but is apparently on a song of theirs. Bashar Murad was there. Oh, wow. Everyone was there. Uh, and there was clearly supposed to be like slightly more uh, stuff going on on stage because the, uh, during setup, they brought out these four TVs that were clearly supposed to have alternate visuals. But I don't know if that just did not happen during uh, sound check or whatever. But mm. they turned on and they went to like that test screen. You know, when you turn on a TV and you had to get to the AV channel, they did not move to whatever was supposed to be there. So they were very quietly turned off during the during the intro. Oh, OK. It wasn't some sort of commentary about structuralism. or. <laughs> I was standing there going, is this part of the bit? Yeah. And then realizing, <laughs> well, if it was, they'd probably all be on the same thing. And then they were very quietly turned off. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the thing that I liked towards being towards the front of the audience with that one was how normcore everybody around me was. It, it was that, yes, there were like the Hatari teens, as I keep mentally referring to them. Mm-hmm. But uh, I am very good at being early to things, and so are a lot of other people. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just me and a bunch of normies just hanging out and just loving it. Awesome. The first few rows were very into it. Like right in front of me was like the photographer pit and the photographer pit kept filling up over the course of the night because clearly they knew what was going on. Although what was delightful is that as part of Hatari's setup, they also have like those big machines that make sparks. And those were right in front of the photographers who were not expecting the sparks. But it was great because that meant that the people in the front could get some good phone photos that did not include all of the photographers. True. All of our faves were there song wise. They have like a specific repertoire and there's like a full multimedia show like i found a recap from from uprocks today who was also clearly there that did not do a great job of explaining the visual spectacle going on okay so earlier that day uh clown stroker had come out officially which that song is a bop mm. yeah like that that was just that was just great love it everybody's outfits are like just everybody had clothes on and they kept them on like it was the most clothed i have seen clemens in like recent performances yeah <laughs> i figured there was a good chunk of the crowd who was not there for Hitari, and this was a good intro to them. Mm-hmm. But there was lasers, there was pyro, everybody's butt was covered, it's great. That ended up being my last show of the night on Friday, like I would, had planned to go to others, but uh, it was particularly windy, and uh, the club across the street was full, mm. and I kind of just wanted to get a shawarma instead, so I did that, and that was a good choice. Oh, nice. On Saturday, I managed to see as many shows as I had on Thursday and Friday combined. Oh, wow. My first show of the day was at 3.30 p.m., and my last show of the night got out at 3 a.m. Wow. Yeah. Oh, oh you youngins. <laughs> uh, I do not know how I did that. Oh, man. <laughs> well, I mean... Because with... I am secretly old. Yeah, but I, like um, with all the like time zone shifting and the sun just not coming out that at was, all, it sounds that like. That was part of how I got myself through it, was I did not change my watch at all, so I just look at my watch at the last room, but it's 10pm, that's the normal time for the for the, for a concert. Oh, there you go. Oh, that's yeah, smart. Yeah, it's just like silly brain, it's 10pm. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, so started out the day in a bank, like, so one of the banks uh, hosted three artists. Huh. Yeah, and it was very much a bank, and like, the, there's like a mural on the back wall of the bank where I'm like, that's a Fleetwood back album cover. Yeah. <laughs> essentially, and it's great, it's great one of the artists, Una Schramm, is doing R&B and felt very Ariana Grande-esque. Full show. Very good. Went over to one of the one of the bars that was also hosting Axe. Almost saw, almost managed to see Briette again. But missed that. Got like the tail end of her set and then saw Hipsome Haps, who are this fantastic duo that f- flesh out into like a five-piece band. But they're doing like some kind of weird kind of genreless pop rock thing, kind of similar to what Verk does. Okay. I really, really like them. Their lead singer was very funny between sets and like made sure to do both English and Icelandic. 
Oh, which okay. is nice because it's it, it feels very weird to just stand in a crowd where somebody is telling a joke in Icelandic and just be like, I, w- I want to know how this works. And I say that as someone who did Icelandic language practice before this, which was great because I could read things. But after that, like, took time, got dinner, geared up for like a full night of shows. They were nice and had set up a shuttle bus between City Hall and the soccer stadium, which is, a, is otherwise like a 20 to 30 minute walk from all the other venues. Hmm. Which is nice because that was just r- running all night on Saturday. Oh, cool! So, like, took the shuttle bus over, saw a few, saw a few bands before before Verk, including Chai, who are this Japanese group, mm-hmm. whose general thing I do not get. But they did a Tiny Desk concert recently, and they opened with the same thing that they did on stage, where I'm like, I have no clue what this is by like this particular bit. Oh, okay. Saw the other large Verk set, which was admittedly not different that much different from the small Verk set I had seen. Though, like a couple a couple additional songs, but otherwise. Anar was there. Mm. Everybody was there. There were there were lasers. It was very nice. Uh, and then was was sitting there and looking at the app on my phone and like the, given the expansiveness of the lineup, they have a very good app where you can see what's playing where at all the same times. So you can kind of plot out your night. Oh, nice. And I, and I was looking at that. And I was like, okay, so I can either hang out here and see about like fifteen to twenty minutes of a Monsters and Men's headlining set, or the two bands before Hatri's final show over at Galkarin were things that were on my list anyway so just as soon as Verk was kind of packing up uh just kind of headed out of the stadium took mm-hmm. the bus back to town and just got in line and that was great uh Pottery were the were like the first one I saw they are from Montreal so that was like the closest I got to American music this trip mm-hmm. and they're doing like fun post-punk things and have like a very good rhythm section after them was just gkr as it was what was listed on the app and like i would tap on the app to see okay what is this because like there would usually be like whatever the band's little promo blurb is and i don't know why that one was broken but that one was just always broken so i'm like well i'm there there before hottery so i'm gonna go see it anyways yeah it was kind of goofy hip-hop and i was not expecting that and there was like a brief moment where he was talking about how uh there was a girl who had been to his show in oslo who was dancing in the crowd uh, and they somehow had chatted she was going to be in Iceland. So she also came out and danced on stage and she was okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, okay, this is, this is weird. Uh, yeah. His, his DJ was basically a child or at least appeared to be a child in a very large hoodie. It was like a fun, goofy opener for things. Right. And and what was great is that like, they were clearly setting things up in the background the entire time. Cause like they had divided the stage by via a curtain Mm-hmm. And every so often the curtain would get disrupted and you would see that there like a new Hitari thing had had appeared in the background. <laughs> oh, while I was waiting for the GKR set to start, Galkarin is has like a maximum occupancy in the concert upstairs part of mm-hmm. like 350 people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people wanted to be there for the for the Hatri show. So it kept right. getting very full. Uh, there is someone whose job it is to go to kind of walk between the crowd from time to time and collect everybody's like water glasses and beer glasses mm-hmm. in like a big stack. And somehow I managed to position myself in the audience as like the person that person had to like walk past. Oh, and like no. as things keep being tighter and tighter, I'm just like, I'm so sorry. I'm just trying to get out of the way. I'm so sorry. So that keeps happening through the night. And like, it's not my favorite. Right. At one point, I feel like somebody kind of brushed my left shoulder and I'm turning around to try and see who it is. It was Anar. Oh. Yeah, just like heading towards like the artist entrance on the left side. Did you high five? Or <laughs> I did not. I did. I did not high five. I cut it like the tail end. Like I came into it kind of going, "Oh, who is doing this?" Oh, never mind. Go yeah, ahead. yeah. <laughs> um, and also, they're trying to get backstage so they can get fully geared up because, like, he was not in full gear. Oh yeah, yeah. I have to wonder how long that 
process takes. Uh, I, I, I imagine yeah. it takes some time. So <laughs> yeah, I was noticing uh, during the Verk set, which he again he was also at that. Oh, he's just like in like a t-shirt and pants. I'm like that seems just practical given what's cu- what's going to happen later tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, Hatari round two was was very good. It was a very full club, and like I was towards the middle of the crowd this time. So like, okay, I've had my I've had my front row moment and. What was great was there was a section of the crowd towards the middle of the towards the middle of the stage that clearly wanted to mosh and do like the full rock club thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, immediately next to them, teen girls who are very afraid of whatever is going on. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And then you ha- and then like on the other end of that, you have me who whose general reaction to getting bumped on the train or or having people push against him is to just become a cement wall. Right. That got very warm. Like I was not taking video for a lot of that set i was trying to grab photos which it, during strobes is very hard exactly uh but just like the closer proximity was a lot of fun one thing i learned is that you have various people who who know the bits of the songs who are kind of shouting them along apparently you're not supposed to do the screaming bits from odier okay. i don't know that that's the part that i know oh <laughs> uh, but, but like the person next to me they seemed concerned huh I really dug just kind of how wide ranging a lot of the the music in Iceland is because like you have like full hip hop, you have R&B, you have what Hatari is doing, you have a lot of really fully formed pop artists. My main takeaway from this is that like at next year's song Vakepnen, I don't want to see any Aries from like two years ago. They have a very strong talent base. I really hope that they just saw what Hatari did this year and like I would rather see an act that is just sort of fully formed doing what it does well over a song that feels Eurovision-y. Yeah, I mean, especially like with the amount of variety that is available. It's just like, no, you've, you've got options. Explore your options. Sunday, it was super windy and rainy, so I just kind of hung out at the airport. Mm. They're clearly like very experienced at just dealing with their normal weather because all of the flights back to America were, were rescheduled and like managed to get out of the airport like my flight was at like five i ended up leaving at like 8 20 mm-hmm. but all of the american flights were scheduled for like five and just got moved to within 20 minutes of another around 8 p.m and everybody got out oh well that's good i don't know any questions who do you think not necessarily in a eurovision context but like who do you think people may be hearing about coming out of this festival that is an excellent question like i would love to see verk get a higher profile because i think what they're doing kind of fits in with a lot of people's listening Mm -hmm. wexp tends to do a lot of artist sets where they will bring people back over from iceland so i could see them booking hipsum haps i think to come over Mm -hmm. and do like a live set here georgia from the uk i think is poised because she has an album coming out in january to kind of go big there's just like a lot of a lot of really good stuff as they were setting up bands between sets uh they would they were clearly playing from the official iceland airways playlist and for whatever reason, all of it seemed like every single person immediately started out with Ivan Dorn's Africa. Huh. I heard that song between every single set. Oh, interesting. Which, it has a good beat. The more I listen to the lyrics, the more concerned I get because there's some weird glamorization of, of African people. And that, that given that Ivan Dorn is like a white Russian dude. Mm. is kind of weird. Okay. And I need to, I, like, the more I hear the lyrics, the more I need to not hear the lyrics yeah <laughs> but it, but it just reminded me of uh, a trip i took a few years ago went to sardinia for a work thing that somehow involved a brief night at the club and there was like one song that like we heard there that then somehow ended up in somebody's spotify playlist that was just one of those algorithmic ones okay and like i now associate that with that specific trip like right 
I, Ivan Dorr's Africa has become that for me in that I, I will hear it somewhere. It's like, why is this playing? Huh. Have you heard it at your grocery store yet? So. <laughs> Not yet, but like, honestly, give, give, give my grocery store time. Are you planning on going to this festival again next year? I definitely would go back, but I think I don't need to immediately go back. Mm. If it is something that's of interest to you now, uh, I would grab, and you don't mind not knowing who any of the artists are going to be. Uh, they have super early bird tickets available right now for about 99 bucks American. Oh, wow. That's not bad. Yeah, because I think even what I ended up paying was not bad, given the amount of acts on the billing, the number of days and stuff. Mm-hmm. Cause, yeah, because I was because I was talking with with those nice couple that nice couple on the on the food tour and like oh yeah we booked this way in, way in advance because like going to this is cheaper than going to a concert going to a, a couple concerts in America and I'm like yeah that that makes sense oh wow for at least the festival for like the festival pass yeah if you want to do the full tourist thing you you can just take tours during the day take a quick nap get some dinner and go see some shows awesome it sounds like it kind of has a little bit of a South by Southwest. Very mu- yeah yeah kind of yeah like again like the a lot of the focus of the lineup is up-and-coming artists is local talent is is that sort of thing where a year or two down the line you can see them because like georgia said in like the intro over set is like okay so like five years ago i was session drumming for somebody on the lineup and i hoped i would be able to come back as a solo artist and now here she is just sounds like an awesome way to spend a long weekend and oh yeah totally and like if, if you're like me and you don't mind just sort of walking around and not really talking to anybody and occasionally like doing something like reading a book and having coffee like it's great mm-hmm. i'm so mm-hmm. glad that you got to uh experience this trip and get yeah, to see like, hatari live I was, yeah <laughs> i was super happy that of of two chances likely in my life to see hatari i took both of them yes but anyways that's gonna do it for this episode of the year what thanks for listening the year what podcast is hosted by ben smith that's me and Mike McComb. That's me. You can find us on our website at eurowhat.com and on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at eurowhat. We'd love to hear your questions and comments. You can subscribe to the eurowhat on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or the podcast app of your choice. Rating and reviewing the podcast when you subscribe also helps other Eurovision fans find us. Next time on the eurowhat, we're going to dig into Turkey for Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs>